You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 419, The Heart of Leadership, Part 2. So last week we started this two-part episode talking about uh, leadership from the lens, uh, looking through the filter, if you will, of the Beatitudes. So let me start off by reading the, the passage of Scripture we read last week. This is from Matthew 5, and it says, and Jesus uh is, is, is talking here. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we know this great passage of Scripture as the Beatitudes. This is the, the preface or the introduction, if you will, to Jesus' incredible sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, which we find in, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the Sermon on the Mount is really um, Jesus' um, uh, classic message. I mean, this is his... Uh, probably the greatest message he preaches, probably the co- most complete message we have. Uh, a lot of times we get just snippets of a, of a sermon, um, but it really is his, his, his manifesto, if you will, on what the kingdom of God is about and, and what the kingdom of God should look like lived out in the lives of the believers. But, but as we work through this passage, we're talking about these, um, the, these preliminary things called the Beatitudes, and we're looking at them through the eyes of leadership. We talked about the poor in spirit. And, and, and really, as leaders, we have to know how much we need God. Uh, we really need to demonstrate a, a characteristic of humility that kind of works through all these other things. Uh, really an understanding um, the fact that, that we need God desperately. We can't just depend on our talents and our gifts and our, our degrees um, there's a place for those things, but ultimately, as a Christian leader, uh, we, we have to be dependent on God and on the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about those who mourn, and, and this doesn't mean that we're supposed to just be sad, but it's to understand that there's a place for vulnerability in leaders. 
If we're always coming across as the person who has it together, when, of course, we know we don't, we're sending the wrong message to those that we're serving, to those that we're working with, to those who are working with us and um, working for us. We, we want to convey the attitude that we don't have it all together all the time. There's a place for being vulnerable. Your people are going to learn how to deal with difficult situations by watching you deal with them. And if you come across with, with, with this appearance that you have no problems, they're not going to be able to learn how to do that. We talked about uh, the meek. Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Uh, meekness is this, this environment of submission that we want to create. Um, our gifting, as we said, doesn't impress God. Our talent, our degrees don't impress God. But our gentleness, our submission does. And we want to we teach the people that we're serving that this is what leadership looks like. There's a time to be firm. There's a time to... Um, uh, it, it, it demonstrate emotion. That's not what we're, we're we're saying, but we're saying that on the whole, this this attitude of meekness, which which really means co- contained strength or strength under control, is is demonstrated by the leader. I, I shared the 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 story of the one of the guys that I worked for at the police department who was so insecure as a leader, and he he felt the need to anytime somebody questioned or asked a you know about his decision, he would point at his badge and say, well, what does mine say, you know, indicating that his rank was higher. So, um, you know, we shouldn't have to be that way. So today, let's jump in. We're going to talk about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know, as Christian leaders, we often talk about how we want our people, people in our church, people in our ministries, people that we serve, to be hungry for God. But it has to start with us. Um, We can't expect church members or those that are on our team to pursue God if the leaders aren't doing it themselves. It has to start in our lives. Everything that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your church, in your ministry, on your team, even in just your little corner where you serve, maybe your small group, everything that the Holy Spirit wants to do starts with you. Um, He can't do any more in the people than he does in the leaders. It doesn't work that way. Everything starts with leadership. Um, seeking after God, modeling spiritual disciplines. We talk about wanting our, our people to spend time with God, to read the Bible and pray, but really they, they'll they pick that up as we model it, as we demonstrate what that looks like in our lives by putting God first. So we want to be the example. We want to lead the way. And you know, when we use these words, hunger and thirst, these are powerful words. Um, they're emotional words. Hunger is a is a very powerful thing. I mean, maybe you've been hangry before because you're hungry and, 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 and it's easy to let the emotion get in the way. I know I've done that. But we really want to be those people. And, um, you know, we want to develop this, this hunger of, of, of following God, putting Jesus first, and, and, and showing other people how to do it. So, so let's lead the way. Let's be those people who lead the way. And then Jesus said, blessed are the merciful. You know, mercy is activated when you've been wronged by somebody else. And as a leader, you've always got opportunities to be merciful. Um, if you sow mercy, you're going to reap mercy. And you know, as, as leaders, man, oh man, do we get plenty of opportunities to show mercy. 
Um, You know, how many times have I seen people come up to the pastor and say, well, you know, I didn't agree with this, or, you know, it was too hot today, or the music was too loud, or the music went too long, or, you know, your message was too long, and you can't win. It's just, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing being in leadership. And as a pastor, you can't react to that. You just kind of have to smile and nod and be gracious. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting as, as leaders, we have to be the ones who, um, you know, really demonstrate God's mercy and don't hold grudges, forgive quickly and move on. Because if we don't, um, you know, we're going to have nothing but problems. Somebody said leaders need to have thick skin and a soft heart, and I think there's so much truth in that. Mercy and forgiveness go hand in hand, and we know how merciful God's been to us, so so we really want to be those people who lead the way in being merciful. And, 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 and if we want our people to be merciful, if we want our people to demonstrate mercy, we as leaders have to be the ones who show how that's done. We will be right back. I just wanted to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. New Testament Snapshots is the exciting story of 12 of the lesser-known characters in the New Testament. You know, when you, you, you scroll through your phone and you're looking at your pictures, you're looking at the photos of time with family and friends, every story, every, every picture tells a story. Every snapshot, every photo tells a story. That, that, that dinner with your friends, that uh, walk in the park with a loved one, um, whatever it is, every, story, every photo tells a story. And so in the New Testament, we find some people that just make very short appearances or very um, uh, minor appearances. But when you look at the material that's there for maybe several different writers, we usually find enough to create a snapshot. And so that's what I did in New Testament snapshots. I went through, I looked at 12 of these lesser-known folks, and and when we really look, we find that there's a story there waiting to be told. Click on the link. You can read the first chapter or so for free. I know you're going to enjoy it. Grab a copy. It'll be good for your own personal Bible study and also for a small group study. But New Testament snapshots, grab a copy. I know you'll love it. Well, all right, we're back. We're talking about leading from the heart. Well, the next one we want to talk about is Jesus said this. He said, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they'll see God. Purity of heart. You know, who can really know your heart? Um, it's an interesting thing, but eventually what's in our hearts will be manifested in our lives. And, you know, your heart will lie to you. My heart will lie to you. My heart will lie to me. Um, Jeremiah said the, the human heart is the most deceitful thing. He said it's desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. And, you know, and, and, and I always laugh because people go, well, well, my heart's not like that. Well, it just lied to you because we all are. Our hearts will lie to us. Um, so we want to keep our hearts pure. And the, 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 the literal translation for purity here is talking about being um, undiluted, um, undivided. Your heart is focused. It's fixed on Christ. And and we want to be leaders who demonstrate purity, purity in our relationships. Um, how often do you hear about 
uh, you know, a pastor falling because their heart wasn't pure, uh, getting into an improper relationship, uh, getting addicted or hooked to pornography, which is so easy to do in today's society. I mean, if you've got a phone or a device, it's, it's just so easy to do. But we've got to put ourselves in a position where we can maintain purity, and that usually involves having people around us that we can talk to people who we can, you know, be accountable to and be in relationship with. So uh, in, in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for from it flow the issues of life. And I think as leaders, um, two of the things that we have to guard against um, are, are these, these two things we're talking about here and the one we just talked about, uh, offense and pure impurity. Um, you know, if you don't have mercy, it's very easy to, 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 to let unforgiveness, to cultivate unforgiveness and um, have a bad attitude and then become a gossip and talk bad about people. Um, we, we can't let offense ruin us. We've got to guard our heart against it. And then also impurity. Uh, we've got to protect ourselves. We've got to have um, guardrails up to protect us in our relationships, in our, in our thought life, and to make sure that we stay pure in heart. There's, there's nothing uh, more important than having our hearts focused on Christ and keeping that pure relationship. But when other things are there dividing it and diluting it, we become ineffective for the kingdom. And as leaders, that's not who we want to be. We want to be effective, and we want to model this for the people that we're leading. And then Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. How do we deal with conflict? Look, if you're a leader, you're at some point going to have to deal with conflict. Um, you might have to have a difficult conversation with somebody. You might have to mediate um, a situation. I mean, it's not uncommon in church to have a member come up and say, you know, hey, listen, you're not going to believe what this person said to me or what this person did. And if you only hear one side of it, it's easy to take issue. It's easy to, to get emotional and think, well, I can't believe they did that. And then when you hear the other side, you realize, oh, there's always at least three sides to every story. When I was a police officer, we would always say, there's he said, there's she said, and then the truth is somewhere in the middle. And, and, and it's like this. And as peacemakers, we can't be people that take sides. We've got to learn to listen objectively. Um, being a peacemaker, what a powerful thing. You know, when I got involved in law enforcement, we were called peace officers. Um, that's shifted now. You don't hear that term as much, but the, the goal as a police officer was to bring the peace. And some people do that better than others, but, but that was the goal, was to bring peace to situations. It says in Proverbs, a gentle answer turns away wrath. You know, there's times as leaders that we have to protect our senior pastors. Um, people will come up and say, well, you know, the pastor didn't speak to me today. Or I said hello to the pastor, but he was obviously too busy to, to talk to me, or he ignored me, or, or, you know, just something silly. And, you know, as a peacemaker, I always deflect that. I never tell the pastor that somebody's upset with them. Um, I always deflect it. I always want to protect them. And I'll say, oh, you know what? They didn't mean that. They've just got a lot on their mind. They're getting ready to preach, preach two messages today or whatever it is. Um, but we need to be peacemakers. We need to bring peace into situations. We don't want to pour gas on the flames. We want to pour water on the flames. We want to be the people that bring peace in every situation. Um, 
you know, so as, as peacemakers, this is something, again, we want to demonstrate to those we're leading. If there are people on your team that have a, a bit of a rough personality, you want to demonstrate what it means to be a peacemaker and teach them how to bring this into their lives so that they can be a peacemaker as well. You know, if we have churches full of peacemakers, wow, because if we take this out into the world, this shouldn't just be something we have in church. This should be something we carry into the world, people who bring the peace of Christ. Did you know that one of the weapons of our warfare, read Ephesians 6, one of the weapons of our warfare, Paul says, he talks about the armor of God, our feet that have on the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, we bring peace into every situation. That's part of our armor as a Christian soldier. And then the last thing that Jesus talks about here is he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. How do you, how do I handle the fiery trials that come against us? You know, we are on the front lines. As a leader, as a Christian, you are on the front lines. You can't be surprised that you get shot at, um, hopefully spiritually, just spiritually. I'm not talking about, you know, literally, but I've been in some places in the world where that's a little dicey. But, um, you know, we can't be surprised if we're not, if we're attacked. We can't be surprised that we find ourselves in battle. We are soldiers in the army of Christ. And, you know, this Christian life's not a cruise ship. It's a, it's a battleship. We are going into battle. And our people, the people we lead, the people that we serve, the people that we look after as leaders are watching us and they're learning from us. How do you handle conflict? You've probably seen this on Facebook. Every time somebody's going through a crisis, they feel like they have to tell the world about it on Facebook and, you know, post these cryptic messages about how bad their life is or what they're going through. You know, it's time to just grow up. It's time to just grow up and be a man or a woman of God. Quit whining, put on our big boy or big girl panties, and and let's just deal with the stuff that comes at us, that life throws at us. Um, That's part of being a mature Christian leader. And then we talk about persecution. You know, social media wars. Sometimes people feel this need to interact with every negative thing that somebody posts on social media. Listen, if somebody says something bad about your church, just ignore it. You don't have to get on there and give a dissertation about why they're wrong. In fact, that'll keep it going. If you can just ignore it, eventually it'll just die out and go away. So what are we going to do? Are we going to defend ourselves? Are we going to fight back? Are we going to lash out in anger? Or are we going to stay focused on what God has called us to do? Um, you know, persecution's an interesting thing. I was in India last year. The persecution there is real. It's real. The Christians there are um, uh, under the gun, figuratively right now, but there are places where they are being physically attacked. In the northeastern part of the country, um, churches are being firebombed. Pastors are being attacked physically. Um, here in America, we're not dealing with it yet, thank God. But how do we deal with any kind of persecution, any kind of resistance? You know, we need to be kind and loving and reflect the nature of Christ. And Jesus said that if we do that, our reward is going to be great. Remember, our people are watching us, and when we learn to lead from the heart, we're helping them learn to lead from the heart as well. Well, I'm going to stop there. I'd love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com, leave a question or a comment in the comment section. 
for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so that we can stay in touch. I just had a, a, a couple of Christian leaders, fairly high-level Christian leaders, reach out to me and thank me for sending them my newsletter. And, and I was actually really amazed because, you know, these guys are, are busy running their own ministries, but they've asked to be on my mailing list. And, 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 and these two particular guys were very thankful for the newsletter because I don't send out too many, but, but I do send them out periodically, especially when we're, we're involved in some of the international ministry with some pictures and just updating what we're doing. And, and they were just amazed. They said, this is so good. This is so helpful. Thank you for sending us this. So if you want to get that, sign up. Just go to davidspell.com. There's a little box up at the bright, uh, top right. You drop your email address in and you will be signed up. I promise never to give your email address away. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. We will see you next week on Leading and Learning.